You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. It's turkey, turkey time. Tom Turkey ran away, but he just came home. It's turkey, turkey time. He's really home to stay, never more to roam. Well, as an end-of-the-year gift to our listeners, to each other, to the world, uh, we thought we'd talk through my list of the top 10 shows of 2018. I love a gift, and I love a list. There you go. Jamie, when, one of the, when I first met Jamie, or shortly after, he demanded that I give him my top 10 musicals, and it was a really difficult exercise. I think eventually I gave you some answers, but Jamie loves a top 10 list. I'm actually still waiting for your 50 greatest musicals of all time list. Yeah, well, that's going to take some time. I even said you could go 10 per decade and do the last five decades. I mean, uh, I did make it easier. You gave me some parameters, right? yeah. But yeah. that also makes it harder because some decades were, more, were better, you know? I mean, well, here's the thing I love about top 10 lists or yes. top five lists or any of that. Any list. Any list. You Is love a list. I think it says a lot about the person, but I also think it's really interesting what I, I like to ask people that question multiple times because mm. the lists always change. Yes. It says a lot about where you are at that particular moment mm-hmm. in your life. And I, that's what I find so interesting. Very rarely do number one and two change, but three, four, and five are never the same. Absolutely. And I find that interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm going to say. And if you follow our Twitter, which I hope you do, you will notice that I've been reposting a lot of um, top 10 lists in the last few yeah, days. Yeah. Um, including mine. And um, on uh, Stage Left, which is my site, I, at the end of every year, publish a, a top 10 list. So I did my top 10 list this year. And I will say, I don't call it top 10 best, I say it my, my top 10 favorite. Because I think that sort of gets more to what you were talking about, Jamie, in terms of like just the your your it's it's your it's your personal reaction to you know what you experienced and what you saw. Um, best feels a little like who, who, it's art, right? Right. Uh, and, and who the fuck am I to say what? Right. Who is anyone? Who yeah. is Ben Brandley right. for that matter? You know, what I mean, we're all just Very true. people who love theater and like writing and thinking and talking about it. Um, so getting to my list of my, my top so 10. It's more like your top favorite. Yeah, is, is yeah, favorite. which I think dovetails with best in some ways, but in some other ways not. For example, number 10 on my list um, is Collective Rage, a play in Five Bettys, which was a late season replacement at MCC mm-hmm. this summer and fall. I haven't seen it on anyone else's list, not even in their honorable mentions. For me, when I look back on the, the year in theater, that was hands down one of my top 10. That's why here it is as number 10. I know. I will say a regret I have is that we, we tried very diligently to make schedules work so that we mm. could have uh, some of those people involved with that show, and it just didn't... Our timing didn't work out with their timing, and that was unfortunate because yeah. that would have been good to have gotten into... Did you the, see it? To the heads. I did. Yeah, you did. It was great. W- yeah. Wasn't it just so blazingly brilliant? I mean, I, I sat there. It felt like no show I had ever seen before. Yeah. Well, that's what I love about MCC. MCC is one of those theaters that I feel like I could walk in no matter what the show is. And I may not love it, but I always walk out of that. I always walk out of an MCC show thinking, 
that was really interesting mm -hmm. or that was va like there's there's never and I don't feel that way about a lot I feel that way about second stage too I, I, I feel like no matter what I see there I know it's going to be quality and it's going to mm -hmm. have great actors and, and well the thing that that ties together all of MCC's shows is that they specifically curate and um, commission all their works to be around social topics yeah so if you're, you know, like us, very socially minded and, you know, following the news like and you. very engaged. No, I mean, I'm very engaged shallow. in what's going on okay. in the world. Um, MCC Theater is like the company for you because that is their sort of motif okay. um, of every season. Uh, so number nine on my list will be very familiar to listeners of The Fabulous Invalid, and that's because it's Fiddler on the Roof in Yiddish. Mm. Joel Gray's incredible production, which is uh, sold out downtown and is moving to Midtown for an off-Broadway run this winter. In um, February or end Starting of in February, starting in February okay. um, at Stage 42. If you haven't seen it, get tickets. Um, I sent a friend of mine to see it recently, and the next time I saw her, she was just like so grateful that I pushed her to go see it. She probably wouldn't have seen it otherwise because eh, it's another Fiddler, right? And if you saw the Fiddler on Broadway in 2015 and you saw the Fiddler on Broadway in 2004, and you know, it's just a show that is such a touchstone and so well-known for people. And yet, what she said to me and what I wrote in my review and why it's number nine on this list, it feels like you're seeing Fiddler for the first time. When I been a Russist, you be very, 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 very bomb. Ganze Tag was executive bomb. When I been a reicher man, hand called Marcel, nicht der reine Tone, bitty, 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 bitty bomb. God was warft von Himmel und dem Mann. Er beschließt, ich bleibe nur ein Mann. Was wollt schon gestört bei dir dem Plan? Wenn ich bin ein reicher Mann. I'm curious what it's going to look like in the little Schubert or whatever. What, I don't know what we call Stage it. Stage 42. You know how I am with new names. <laughs> you prefer the old view, right? That's the line from Sunday in the Park with George. Yeah. yeah, I well, I, <laughs> I I will probably call it. I mean, look, I'm still calling the Hirschfeld the Beck. So right, right, and I yeah. love Al Hirschfeld. I don't. It's not a diss. Not a slight. Yeah, I just yeah. I can't. Mm -hmm. I, I don't quite call the O'Neill the Alvin, but you know, I did yeah. when I first moved here. There okay, um, number eight on your list is Passover. I did not see that. Mm. I've never been to LCT three. Can you believe that? Um, I can because I don't. Th I mean, I so few people don't even know that it exists. So um, part of the mission of this podcast, of course, is to uh, expose people to things that they might not know about. LCT3 is a, a program um, that is specifically designed around um, curating and, and, and supporting new work. Um, and it's on the roof of the Vivian Beaumont Theater um, in the Lincoln Center Theater complex. Uh, it's a new theater that they built um, on top of the existing structure. And it's all they do there are these new works. Every ticket is always $25 or $30. Every, every ticket's always $30. Um, so you can't beat the price. And every single show I've seen at LCT3 has stuck with me, has been an experience that I you know, have, have held on to. Passover, in particular, um, which had its premiere in Chicago, I, I forget what theater it was at there, um, came to New York and just completely knocked my socks off. Uh, it was, you know, they're obviously a topic in the news and something that everyone is following. 
um, is you know the treatment of of black men in our society, particularly interaction with with police. Uh, it's been top of mind for the whole country for years now. Um, and many works of theater have attempted to address this, you know, um, troubling dynamic. Um, none in, that I've seen have done it so piercingly and um, really just joltingly than, than this play that I wrote in my review and, and in my little write-up here. At the end of the show, the audience filed out in complete silence. I've never experienced that in a theater. That's why it, it stuck with me, because there was nothing anyone could say, even to their friend or partner, whoever they were with. That's how searing the show was. That's um, incredible. Yeah, I, was, I, I could not believe it, just complete silence. Um, luckily, uh, the Chicago production was recorded by Spike Lee. So you can go on, I think it's on Amazon, but Google it, um, because it's a really important work um, tackling you know, an issue that couldn't be more important. Um, I suggest you check it out. I will. Yeah, you and also anyone listening. Anyone listening. <laughs> um, okay, number seven on my list, uh, which I think, which I know you saw, mm -hmm. is Three Tall Women. I did. Uh, my gosh. I would be a little higher on my list. It was hard. It's yeah. hard doing doing a list. Is hard. It's really hard doing it down to ten. Um, but this had to be on the list no matter what, um, because rarely have I seen a better play. Just start to finish, production, acting, set design. Lighting, I mean, the whole package was just perfect. Yes, it was, a, it was a gorgeous production, and it was three incredibly oh talented gosh. ladies mm -hmm. just at the height of their powers, mm -hmm. really, truly. I mean, it's, and, it's, and I think it's a testament to, um, to, to Scott Rudin, who produced it. Mm -hmm. He did, it, it, it's exceptional what yeah. he did with that play and 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 it's and it's it's a play that not many people you know know because when you look at the Albi you know uh, uh, catalog if you will everyone knows uh, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf right that's his most uh, famous work um, but this play actually won the Pulitzer Prize yeah uh, in 1994 I believe off Broadway um, or 95. I forgot. I don't know. It was still playing because I saw it. And yeah. It, was up at the it, it had a healthy run originally. Yeah, it it ran for multiple it, years. It was still Broadway. playing yeah. when I moved to the city in 96. Mm -hmm. And I saw it twice. I went yeah. back because Joan Van Ark of Knott's Landing fame. There you go. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Took over uh, yeah. sort of late in the run. And yeah. I had to go back and see her. And quite frankly, it felt like seeing a, in, it felt like I'd never seen the play, right. seeing this version yeah. um, uh, this last season because it was such a stunning production mm -hmm. that it, 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 it erased the memory I have of seeing it at the promenade. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully this will engender you know, more productions of the show, because it's a brilliant work, regardless of the production. Um, but this particular production uh, was just pitch perfect. And um, I have to do a shout out to Glenda Jackson, who returned to the New York stage following a 30-year absence at the age of, I think, 81 or 82, to take on this, this role of the um, perhaps tallest <laughs> of the three women, um, and won a Tony Award, rightly so, um, because she wasn't acting. It was, it was some other form of existence on that stage um, that I, I'll always remember. Um, number six, Angels in America, oh. which is another one that just had to be on this list. Um, How many times did you see it? I saw it four times, start to finish, 
seven and a half hours. Uh, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. If you told me, oh, let's go right now, I would go right now. I'd cancel my evening plans. Did you see it at the National, or did you just see it? I didn't, it? no. I, I saw it four times. On Broadway. On Broadway in its, what, six-month run? I don't Correct. remember how long the run was. Uh, yeah. Something I, like that. Something like that. Um, I did, and the reason I did is because when I would question whether I should, I'd say, you know what? This probably won't be on Broadway again for... 20 years, 30 years? Probably not. Probably not. And, and I don't want to look back and say, oh, I wish I'd seen that again, you know? That's the, way, that's the way I felt about Hello, Dolly. I lost track of how many times I saw Hello, Dolly, but it was like, you know what? After this revival, which was so stunning, no one's going to dare touch it for a generation, if not more. So I want to make sure I, I can say to myself that I, I saw it as many times as I was financially able to. Uh, and that's the way I felt about this production of Angels in America. Um, some... Compl completely mind-blowing performances. Denise Goff and James McArdle, in particular, who um, you know, I think neither of whom got the the critical the, they got the critical praise. They didn't get the awards that they deserved, um, but they were standouts to me. And then, of course, Nathan Lane and, and Andrew Garfield um, at, atop the cast. But James McArdle, in particular, I was shocked he didn't get a nomination. Didn't get a nomination. That was that was surprising. And Denise, I you know. I, Please throw all the awards always at Laurie Metcalf. I don't right. deny her anything. Course, She's course. unbelievable. However, I did really think that that was, I thought it was Denise's year. I mm -hmm. really did. And I will say, and I think you and I talked about this because the last time I saw it, I saw it with you. Um, what was amazing about Denise's performance is I, I, did, I didn't see it at the National, but I watched, the, you know, they do NT Live where they, they, they screen um, shows from the National Theater in London in movie theaters in America. Uh, so I did go to see it, um, just you know, on screen, which is different than seeing it live, um, in person. And watching that first performance of hers to the final performance that she did on Broadway, her she grew in that role yeah. in such a beautiful way. They all did. Way. It was very different in New York than at yeah. the National. I, I, saw the, I think I saw the final performance in the National Theater. Yeah. And... Uh, doing the marathon day, which is mm. the only way I, I would choose to watch that show. Yeah, that's the only I way. I would see that's... it split over two nights if I had to, yeah. but if I'm, if I'm in control of the situation, I will always do a marathon of anything like that, yeah. just because I, yeah. I, I think it's the way you need to do it. Yeah. Um, but, well, I, uh, I did this one four times, I'll do it again. You know, coming in contact with a great work of art like that leaves you um, shook in a way that, you know, nothing can compare, and that's why this, of course, had to be on my list. Number five um, is The Damned, which was uh, a, a summer production um, at the Park Avenue Armory that was imported um, from Europe. Uh, the company was actually, it's uh, the Comedie Francaise, uh, which is like a 400 or 500-year-old company from France. Um, and um, Belgian director Eva van Hove, who's also represented on Broadway this season with Network, um, created this, um, this, this play from the screenplay from the 1969 film, which I'd never seen, um, about uh, a fictional German industrialist family and their decline, uh, you know, paralleled with the rise of the Third Reich. Um, you know, the play is aptly called The Damned because everyone in it is damned. It's a great film. I've never seen it. Yeah, I, I really, I, I, I want to make sure I do because the play blew me away. And if you've never seen a, a, a play by, that Eva van Hove has directed, you know, sort of created, um, you know, 
make it a personal goal of yours because he's such an auteur, whether you like him or not, whether you agree with his technique or not, which I think some New York critics are um, getting a little uh, tired of, <laughs> of him, uh, which I regret because every time I encounter um, his work, I just find it so thrilling. But this was, I mean, this was violent and sexual and just brutal um, and masterfully done by this, this, this uh, French uh, company. Um, at, at the Park Avenue Armory, which is a stunning venue. Um, it's really emerged in the last decade as having uh, one of the best seasons every year uh, of work that they curate, mostly from, from Europe. Um, which brings me to number four, uh, Yerma, which was another uh, import, this from, from Britain, from the Young Vic, um, at the Park Avenue Armory. Uh, and this play uh, is, is an adaptation of um, uh, Federico Garcia Lorca's 1934 play, um, Yerma, but set in the present. The production itself was wild because it's performed in this glass box that looked, you know, by all appearances to be sealed. The audience was sitting around it all on both sides. And the scenes would be very in length, uh, but to be a blackout, and then literally within seconds, the lights would come up and there'd be a completely different set in this glass box. And you'd be like, how the hell did they do that? Was I won't it projected or were they physical pieces? They, of my, I believe my understanding is that everything was on wheels oh. and they wheeled the entire stage off and oh, replaced it uh, with a with new it, stage. Oh, oh, God. That had everything already set. I believe that's how they did it. I don't know how they did it. It was phenomenal. Um, if you know, somebody it, knows how they did it. Will they tweet yeah, it, Rob? Yeah, please tweet at us. Um, yeah, but you know, it, it, no, tweet it, Rob. I don't want the magic broken. For me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but you know, it reminds me. You know, we've, and we've talked about this on the show before about you know the, sort of the limitations of commercial theater space in New York. Um, you know, everything is is proscenium theater on Broadway except for the Circle in the Square, which is why I'm not surprised that you have two things from the Park Avenue are right on your list because not everything is Broadway on this. No, list. the fact there's only like two Broadway shows as, as on we this go list. Through it, you'll yeah, because theater today is not, is not being done behind prosceniums. More and more theater makers are pushing boundaries and creating experiences that do not live separate from the audience in that way. And this was the perfect example of it. And it could only really be done at Park Avenue Armory or maybe at St. Anne's Warehouse in Brooklyn, two spaces that are vast, giant rooms that can basically become anything. Um, we'll get to St. Anne's in a moment. Oh, we will get to St. Anne's in a moment um, because my number one is, I think, everyone else's number one of the year. Um, but, um, or, it's, or my number two, I don't know. No, it's my number one. <laughs> um, you don't even know your own list. I know my list, I know my list. Um, no, uh, but it really, you know, it speaks to why these, these venues have produced such incredible seasons is because they have the space that can accommodate the cutting edge right. of, of live theater. Um, which is why I'm also excited for The Shed, um, which will be opening up as part of the, uh, the West uh, Side development Very soon. that we talked to David Rockwell They're, about. They, I noticed they were looking for a program director, oh, which well. I thought that would be a very good job for Rob. <laughs> uh, um, okay, number three is The Ferryman. Which I have not seen yet, so. Jamie. I know I'm a little behind. Get thee to the Jacobs Theater. I will. Or as you probably know at the Royale. Boy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do still call it the Royale. There you go. I'm sorry, Mr. Jacobs. Well, I'm a big fan of this play. Yeah. Uh, clearly, it's you know it's number three on my list. At what three hours is it? Three. It's three fifteen, I believe. Yeah. And the amazing thing about it, and I, you know, I hate to spoil it, so if you haven't seen it, maybe 
Well, don't skip ahead it. for 20 seconds. But oh, you're going to spoil it? Well, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to say that, that it's a slow boil. That three, and a, that, the three hour and 15 minutes is thrilling and captivating and compelling. It's not. But it, it is slowly building along the way without you really even realizing it. And the final, I don't know, five, 10 minutes of the show are, left me breathless and are some of the most thrilling and outrageous moments in that I've ever spent in a theater. Um, that's all I'll say. Get tickets for the ferryman. It runs through July. That's big words. Big words. I know. Very big words. Um, and but it's 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 a masterpiece. I mean, I, I feel comfortable saying that it is a masterpiece. Um, and uh, yeah, all that's all I'll say. Uh, number two on my list is what the Constitution means to me. It is just this really really stunning, beautiful portrait of of one woman's relationship with uh, the Constitution through the lens of uh, her, her, her childhood, her adulthood, and the women in her life. Uh, it, it is so urgently now, you know, it's the kind of piece that, depending on what's going on in the news that day, it hits you in a different way. That's how relevant it is. Uh, I saw it, I happened to see it the day that um, Judge Kavanaugh testified before the Senate oh, Judiciary Committee. So going to see a play that night about the Constitution, specifically how it you know, impacts women uh, on the heels of you know, those allegations and that whole brouhaha uh, was so moving. And you could pick any news story any day of the week uh, in the era that we live in, and this play will, will speak to it in a really powerful way. Um, another bold thing I want to say is I, I, Heidi should receive the Pulitzer Prize for Drama this year. I hope that I'm, I keep saying it out loud because I feel like if you, you want it to be, I want it to be, I want it to be because it is. This is such an important work. It's going to be down at Woolly Mammoth Theater in D.C. this spring, um, and you will go down. I'm sure. I probably will if I'm down there. I'm, I'll, I'll make sure I see it. Um, it should tour the country. It should be recorded for history. You know, on Netflix, Amazon. Um, it needs to be seen by every American because it's that. Well, I'll go with you if we can yeah. see it misbehaving at Signature Theater. Oh, deal. <laughs> I used to travel, sing along. We chanced to mingle out. You never have to drag me to Ain't Misbehaving. Okay, uh, drum roll for number one. I think people have guessed it by now. I know, they have to have, because it's the one obvious thing that's not on my list yet. Number one, Oklahoma. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh my God. I'm sorry, it's coming to Broadway. I am over the moon that it's coming to Broadway. I, this was, it was one of the rare, not one of the rare times, but I found myself as I was writing my review just yearning to be back. At that show, you know, and I, I sometimes that happens, but this was unique. I mean, did I, you see it at, at, at Bard? Or I did, did not. Oh. No, so it was at Bard College in 2015. Right? As part of their their summer scape 
Yeah, I don't. Series. Yeah, I get that. Sounds right. I saw it at Bard, but I don't remember yeah. the year. Was I think it was 2015, or maybe it was 2014. It was years ago. It was a while ago. I, I think it was 2015, actually. Yeah, and uh, was brought back to life um, with a lot of the same cast members um, at St. Anne's Warehouse this fall. All but one or two. Yeah, if, that I yeah. can say. Um, sold out in a heartbeat. Um, thanks to some some folks I follow on Twitter, I got tickets the day it went on sale. So glad I did because it was the event of the fall, sold out, um, and it is this unbelievably revelatory production um, that completely deconstructs everything you think you know about <laughs> Oklahoma and uh, creates a, just a really, really, really stunning um, piece of theater that, as I say in my review, they didn't change a word no. of Oscar Hammerstein's. And, you know, other than orchestrations, all the songs are there. Orchestrations are different. Um, and yet it, it feels like a completely different work. Um, I highly recommend every living being, and maybe even not, uh, buy tickets for, <laughs> for this, this Broadway. You're telling the Russian bots to yeah, go right. to Oklahoma? Um, because um, it's going to be the event of the season, uh, of, of, the, of the spring season. Something tells me we will do a show on I Oklahoma. Hope so. I really hope so. Uh, because sure you know, the director, Daniel Fish, hats off to him for, you know, be willing, for, for his willingness to interrogate a, a classic American musical in a way that, that no one has ever done before. And hats off to, Rod, to the Rodgers and Hammerstein, um, you know, um, estate or whatever it's called. I forget their official uh, organization name, who, you know, they have to give permission every time someone changes and, or reinterprets any of the, the R&H catalog. And they did. And not only did they do that, but they supported it clearly coming to Broadway, um, which they didn't have to do, you know, because 2018 was the 75th anniversary of Oklahoma. There were productions all across this country. I saw one in Houston. There you go. Um, you know, that also, you know, the ones that, that, that did different things. Out in Oregon at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, um, there was uh, some gender swapping so that there were some same-sex relationships in the show. Uh, there was an all-black version of Oklahoma that was done, I think, in Kansas City. I think you're right. Um, and then, you know, the production you saw uh, in Houston, I think, you know, had a cast of, what, 60? And there was the Houston Ballet was involved. They did, yeah, they did the ballet with, with the Houston Ballet. And yeah, it was, you know, it was... Very uh, interesting. Yeah, so, you know, people were doing a lot with Oklahoma in 2018. Um, so for this production to be the one that was, you know, granted the opportunity to come to Broadway um, really speaks to the quality of it, the um, reinvention of it. Um, it's not your mama's Oklahoma. No, no. My headline was, it's not your Aunt Eller's Oklahoma. Oh, uh, <laughs> I knew I was stealing yeah, something. There you go. Um, you know, so I, I can't speak highly enough about it. Um, run, get tickets. Well, that's a good list, Rob. That's 2018. I, 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 well, you know, you also have, you have some honorable mentions. Oh, I have so many honorable and, mentions. And, and I want to run through some of them quickly. Chorus Line at City Center, which, uh, I would, have, which would have made my top ten list. It made a lot of people's for, top ten. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, Carousel on Broadway, I, I agree entirely with that. I think that was a much maligned uh, the ballet. production that the, was glorious. The and dancing I think was people just didn't unbelievable. play along. Um, Blacklight, which I did not see at the public. Dance mm -hmm. Nation, which I wish I had seen. Gloria, A Life, which we saw together. We did. And I have to say this again. Go get a ticket. Yeah. It's not what you think it is. It's fabulous. Mm -hmm. And Christine Lottie is 
Amazing. Yeah. Runs through March, so there's plenty of opportunity. Go. Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, um, The Jungle, which which is, I think, still at St. Anne's Warehouse. Mm -hmm. You really like St. Anne's. I do. Um, Mean Girls, I don't think we have to say anything about that. (laughs) Um, Midnight at the Never Get, which I did not hear or even see. Network, which was glossy and gorgeous Mm -hmm. and is well worth anyone's time. Yes. Um, Queens, again, at LCT3, which I will make a promise to you, Rob Russo, I will get there next year. Yeah, please do. Um, And the Slave Play, which I saw last night, uh, two nights ago. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I texted you right as you I did. left. Uh, that it it. I don't know if you can get a ticket because it's sold it's out. But sold out. It's worth waiting on a cancellation line for. Uh, the cancellation line went from the door of New York Theater Workshop, well around the corner mm-hmm. on Second Avenue. And I've never, even for once. I and would you believe that. that when I saw it, there were empty seats all around me? Yeah, that's shocking. I saw it early in previews, and you know, oh, I, was, I was invited as press. That's changed. Oh yeah, no, it's sold out. You can't get a ticket. Yes. It's unbelievable. Well, well yeah. that's the kind of thing that might have another life. You, I hope know. so. Yeah, um, and it's well worth it. The prom, which I, you know, I'm, as I'm reading this list, I, we saw a lot of theater together. Well, you we and did I. see a lot of theater. We together. saw the prom. That's another show. Just run out and get a ticket. Yeah. Just don't even question it. It's yeah. it's heaven. You know, there were only two musicals in my top ten, and both were revivals. Yeah. Um, I believe. Um, yeah, Fiddle on the Roof and Oklahoma. Uh, the Prom, best new musical of the fall season, hands down. Yeah, I, I would actually agree with that. Yeah, hands down. To Kill a Mockingbird, which would have been on my top ten mm. list, which no one has asked me to write, so I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> and again, I would say go get a ticket, but from what I hear, you can't get a ticket it's, to that yeah. thing, so you're going to mm. have to wait. Um, Torch Song, which sadly is closing a little bit earlier than it should, in my opinion. But is touring, which I am so excited about. I am too. Because this is a play that America needs to see. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, Maybe New York audiences were a little jaded by the fact that they got Angels in America, Boys in the Band, and Torch Song, three canonical gay plays in the same season. Maybe that, I don't know, but... but That doesn't make sense to me. I say, give me all the gay. I agree, um, but thank God it's touring. I believe it was Michael Yuri's idea to tour it, and he's going to be touring it nationwide, and I, I cannot wait for audiences to see it. I don't know him, but that makes me like him a lot. Mm. And then the last couple shows you have on your, on your honorable mentions, Travesties, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a big revival this last season, Usual Girls, mm. which was at Roundabout in their smaller theater. Right? Yes, in their black box, sort of like LCT3. They do in their black box on 46th Street in the basement. Um, they do a, a, a program for emerging playwrights. And, and that's another thing where I think... All the tickets are $25. Well, and I think that's yeah. that, that to me, that's like MCC, or you can just see whatever is there, because yep. it's going gonna, it's it's, gonna to be of merit on yes. some level, and 100%. you will always be surprised. Thank you, Roundabout, for doing that for yep. all of us. Um, and then the last thing on your list is the Waverly, Waverly Gallery, mm-hmm. which uh, fortunately will, will run at least in through the spring. I, I don't know if it's an open-ended run. No, it's closing in January. Oh, it is? Oh, it's at the end of January. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I'm allowed to do this. Uh, It's closing at the end of January, and it's one to rush to get a ticket to because Elaine May, um, sort of like like Glenda Jackson last season, is back on stage for the first time in decades. I mean, it's it's longer for Elaine May. I don't think she's been on Broadway in 50 years. Um, And she is giving a career high performance um, that if she doesn't win the Tony Award this year, there's no justice in the world. I mean, her performance, again, it's not acting, it's being. She is this woman who is um, suffering with dementia. Um, 
it's unbelievable. Ha, have you seen it? I haven't. Yeah. I will. I will be going. I'm I'm catching up on a lot yeah. of theater in the next <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, I do want to say, unrelated to the Waverly Gallery, Elaine May and Mike Nichols were a very famous mm-hmm. com- comedy team that I think a lot of people have forgotten now because he right. went on to become a very famous director. Yeah. director and she became a famous film writer but they have an album called mm-hmm. An Evening with Mike Nichols and Elaine May which I highly recommend you listen to however you listen to music um, particularly the operator sketch um, mm. which is one of the funniest things ever put on yeah. on, on, on vinyl or record <laughs> Information. Uh, operator, give me the number, please, of uh, George Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, at 4411 Huguenot Walloon Drive. That is George Kaplan. Yes, that's right. That is Kaplan. Mm-hmm, yes. That is K as in knife. <laughs> A as in artibark. P as in pneumonia, L as in luscious, A as in artwork again, N as in Newell Post, Kaplan? Uh, I, I think so, yes. Just one moment, I will look that number up for you. Right, thank you very much. Well, she went on to become a, an amazing screenwriter. Right. I mean, she wrote The Birdcage. Right. No, they both... She is, I mean, funny. She's a funny lady. And what's amazing about this performance, um, you know, beyond just the sheer humanity of it, is um, the, the drama of it. I mean, you know, she... You watch this woman just completely unravel over the course of, you know, two and a half hours. And again, it's a testament to Scott Rudin, the producer who took this Kenneth Lonergan play from, I think, 2000 or 1999. Something like that. Uh, was that, it Eileen Heckert originally? I don't know. I think, I, I think that might be right. I think it was. Um, you know, that had some modest success at the time and gave it a Broadway platform with a stellar cast. The secret weapon of the show, you know, everyone's talking about Elaine May, and I just did, is Joan Allen, who plays um, Elaine May's uh, daughter. Right. And, and I hear David Cromer is exceptional, too. Oh, David Cromer, Lucas Hedges, and Michael Cera. Oh, That's the love, cast. You love a Lucas Hedges. America loves Lucas Hedges. I know. I know. Oh, uh, I didn't mean to imply that they don't. I just meant <laughs> you particularly. Knowing you as I know you, you're yeah. a big fan. Oh, he's phenomenal. I mean, he's, what, 22 years old. Right. He's nominated he's for an Oscar. He's in all these hot movies this season. And what is he doing? He's in a play on Broadway. Yeah. Right? That says a lot about his, his artistic and you know, professional choices. Um, and as a team, they're phenomenal. Uh, it is, it's a really, really, really beautiful play. I mean, I, I, Kenneth Lonergan has, you know, sort of had a, a, a revival of interest on Broadway with, you know, in the last three years with This Is Our Youth, Lobby Hero, and The Waverly Gallery, all plays that he wrote in the 1990s, um, receiving marquee productions uh, in New York um, on Broadway. All <laughs> with Michael Sarah, who's become his, like, stage muse. Um, and, you know, he, I'm really glad that his plays are getting this, this second life because uh, they weren't produced for a long time in New York. Uh, and he's a stunning, stunning playwright. Well, this is a great list. You're a smart fellow, Rob. Thank you. I thank highly you, thank recommend you. I had a lot of fun doing it and even more f- fun was seeing all these, all these things over the past year. Well, you, I, are, you see everything. I you saw really 246 shows last year. That's a lot. 
That's... And so picking 10 was hard. That's why I had so many honorable mentions. Well, I'm going to hold you to the list of 50 yes. for next year. Forthcoming. You can separate it by decade, as I have I instructed you. I don't think I want you. to. I don't think that I want was to. was over the summer, I might add. Okay. All right. a while right. ago. The problem with separating by decades <laughs> is that Stephen Sondheim wrote like six brilliant musicals in the 1970s. Well, then. So that would exclude all other musicals written in the 1970s. Well, that sounds about right. <sighs> Really you get to put the Wiz and Annie on, and, and then you're done. Oh, and Chorus Line. Oh, Chorus Line. Hello, yeah. Chicago. That's your 10. Hi. That's your 10. Okay. Oh, Sorry. That's I know hard. I'm going to make it hard for you. It's really well, hard. on that note, I think we close out the, the year. It's been a, an interesting 2018. And, for sure. And uh, we look forward to more shows in 2019. All the shows. Happy New Year, Rob. Well, Happy New Year, Jamie. sculptures, which were constructed by a single man using bits of glass and garbage, are considered by many a modern wonder of the world. One Boston art student who flew to California for the occasion said simply, they are beautiful and they give me hope. The results of a remarkable study find that 99.9% of the entire world population shares the same DNA. The study reveals that human DNA is the same from person to person, regardless of ethnic group. And these findings further support the fact that racial categories are a social construct. In Memphis, Dr. Martin Luther King was recalled at a kindergarten graduation ceremony. Speaking before a room full of five-year-olds and their parents at Cherokee Elementary School, Congressman Harold Ford Jr. concluded the event by pointing to a picture of Dr. King and saying to the children, please remember what you learned about this man and his dream. And children always remember, it is your right to dream. In Manhattan tonight, a Blue Ribbon Committee convened to begin discussions on the rebuilding of the city. The panel, which includes builder Robert Moses, former First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy, the artist Keith Herring, the producer Joseph Happ, and band leader Tito Puente, agreed that the task will take years, not months, to complete. The priorities earmarked by the group include improving the quality of city life, the safety of its citizens, housing, food, and education for all, beautifying neighborhoods to unparalleled levels, fostering a greater respect for art and culture, and especially to make the city shine as a beacon of light on Earth. Asked how all this is expected to get done, Mr. Papp, on behalf of the committee, remarked, I don't know. That's up to the people of this town and the world to figure out. We'll just be here watching. From New York, the 11 o'clock edition of the news. Good night.
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.